beautiful people, and welcome back to Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Andrew Rodriguez. And in this episode, you'll be listening to Audra, who is living abroad in Hong Kong. Now, Audra is a fellow New Yorker, whoop, whoop, and she tells us why she has called Hong Kong home for the past 10 years and why she considers it her home. Audra also discusses her love for solo traveling and why that enabled her to make this move to Hong Kong. Why she quit her job as a corporate banker to go into her passion and purpose, which is fashion. And last but not least, she talks about her love acronym and how she uses that to help her live a purpose-filled life. Hope you enjoy. This is In Living Color, Abroad. Audra, welcome to In Living Color Abroad. How you doing? Hi, I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Just finished doing some work and I'm happy that I'm not doing that. I'm talking to you now. <laughs> doing some things that I love, which is this podcast. So oh, that's really great. I'm yes. happy to be on. Thank you so much. No, 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 no problem. So Audra, please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. So uh, I am from the Caribbean islands of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, but was raised in Brooklyn, New York, and I've been an expat living in Hong Kong for the last 10 years. I've also lived in uh, London and spent some time in Ghana and traveled extensively across Africa, but my home is in Hong Kong, so uh, this is home for me now. Wow. So first and foremost, you are from Brooklyn. I am from Brooklyn. That is what's up. <laughs> always love, always love when I get somebody from back home on the podcast. As most people listening, they've heard many episodes. I represent Brooklyn. I read Brooklyn all the time. Do you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> what part of absolutely. Brooklyn are you from? I'm a Brooklyn girl. I lived all over Brooklyn. When I first moved uh, to New York from the Caribbean, I lived in Flatbush. And um, and then I lived in Canarsie, then um, uh, Mill Basin, and then Georgetown. So I was all over yeah, Kensington you, as well. So wow, you were all <laughs> I was over. all over Brooklyn. And deep. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm more on the border between Brooklyn and Queens. So more like East New York, Cypress Hills, that kind of that area also near Ozone Park. But yeah, that's cool. All right. So you've lived. You, Hong Kong is now home, you said. So the reason I wanted Absolutely. to have you on is because I well, haven't had anyone on from Hong Kong, number one. But, you know, you hear these things about Hong Kong being this huge kind of, well, huge as far as like massive people, right? I don't know how big it is as far as like the country itself. But, you know, there's metropolis and stuff and stuff like that. So let's get right to Hong Kong. What brought you to Hong Kong? Okay, so back in 2011, I reached out to a random stranger on LinkedIn. Uh, he was a black American living in Hong Kong. And um, he added me on LinkedIn and I looked at his profile and he had lived in Tokyo. And I saw he was also with HSBC in Hong Kong. And at that time I was in HSBC, I was working for HSBC in New York. And I just looked at his profile and I thought, okay, if he can do it, I can do it too. And I just reached out to him and said, oh, I would love to chat with you about how you transitioned from HSBC New York to Hong Kong. And he said, oh, you're in luck. I'm in New York for two weeks. Let's meet up. And um, we didn't have a chance to meet him person but we chatted on the phone and all the preconceived notions you have about language and culture he's like you'll be fine everyone speak english and i saw a role to manage an international team in in premier banking i posted had one phone interview and they offered me the job to move here so uh and the rest is history <laughs> at that point i had never been to asia i had already traveled a bit of africa a bit of south america a bit of europe but never ever asia and i packed up my entire life even shipped all my furniture to hong kong and i've been here since uh 2011 so hong kong is definitely home Wow. I mean, 
Okay, so Audra, that takes a lot to just do that. So what do you think what what do you think is it about you or what what did you have in you in that moment that let you know that it was okay to make this jump just on that first interview? Like, all right, I'm going. Yeah, so at that point I had already started traveling extensively. Like now I've done 76 countries around the world. Back then I I hadn't seen that much of the world world as yet, but I was really passionate about travel and experiencing different cultures. And, you know, like I said, I had clients all around the world. So even countries I had never been to before, like I was very curious to explore. And um, I just thought, you know, moving to Asia would be a new experience for me and, you know, give me an opportunity to see this part of the world. And um, I was ready for it. And I just thought, you know what, why not apply? And like I said, you know, it, it was a very fast process. And, you know, I arrived here and I knew from day one that Hong Kong would be home for a very long time. Hmm, interesting. So let's, let's go Let's go back a little. I want to unpack some things. I think it's interesting. You mentioned you're from St. Vin- Vincent and Grenadines, right? Correct. Right. And you moved to the United States when you were how old? I was 13. So I moved to Brooklyn when I was 13. Okay. And, um, you know, Would- started, so I studied. Um, oh, go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say what you're saying. Yeah, so I, I moved to, to Brooklyn, so went to Roy Mann um, Junior High School, then went to Canarsie High School, and um, I studied at Brooklyn College as well, so definitely a Brooklyn girl. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say your upbringing, being born, obviously, in St. Vincent and Grenadines, then moving to another country as a young girl, would you say that played some part, too, and you wanted to be this world traveler? Absolutely. So my parents had moved to America when I was five and six. So my grandmother raised us, my sisters, my cousin back in the Caribbean. And when I moved to New York, uh, we actually traveled to visit my parents, you know, when I was younger. And then, you know, when I first moved to, to America, we traveled to visit family in Canada, but also back home in the Caribbean. I started thinking about my experience with travels from a young age. Uh, my aunt used to take us to tra- traveling across the country, like especially on Sundays, we would just go for drives with different places in St. Vincent. So I felt like, you know, that, that traveling uh, interest in travel has been there since I was very, very young. So I was just thinking about that, you know, where it all started for me. But like I said, I love connecting with people. I love learning about new cultures. And I just thought, you know, travel was that perfect, perfect opportunity to, to fulfill that. Mm. And, and what got you into banking? Ah, so I started my career in fashion, actually. I worked for a few oh. American brands. Uh, so my grandmother was a seamstress. So I grew up with her sewing for the entire community. So there were lots of colorful fabric everywhere. And I've always loved fashion. So when I moved to New York, I started off, you know, since in high school, I worked for a few brands like Kenneth Cole and Express and Pastel. So again, I really loved it. I loved dressing clients and, you know, styling, you know, and stuff like that. So I did that for a while. And I, I really thought I could have a career in fashion. And everyone made you feel like fashion is not a real career. So um, so when I went to college, I studied. <laughs> they were like, absolutely not. Like, this is not a career, you know? Like, you need to do something serious, <laughs> right? Right, right? So I studied, yes, yeah, so I studied finance. And then I I, I, um, I started my career in banking. So I studied with Chase Bank. And then HSBC recruited me for their management training program. So I rotated across the different departments of the bank. And, um, you know, then became a relationship manager for high network clients. So I did that in New York for seven years. And then I managed the team in Hong Kong uh, for two years. So that's that's Man. my career journey. But then, yeah, I've since left banking and I've, st- I've launched my sustainable fashion brand since then. Audrey, you're doing it all, Audra. My goodness, making us Brooklynites <laughs> proud over here. Jeez, I'm questioning my own something. I'm doing here. I'm like, hey, Joe, are you doing those things? <laughs> oh, one second. I think I'm, are you hear me? Okay. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, let's just okay, say you're making no us Brooklynites proud with all, all the things you, you've accomplished so far. I'm sure there's much more to come from you, Audra. So, all right. 
So you're you're in Hong Kong, and I'm interested. Okay, because obviously you you come from from immigrant parents. I also come from immigrant parents. What were their views when you said, "Hey, I'm leaving"? <laughs> <laughs> I think my my parents knew that I had already started traveling, especially solo traveling. Mm. Uh, so I would just pick up and just go to a random country. Actually, um, at the end of the year, a lot of my clients were away, so I would take like three weeks to a month off. And like, I remember spending a month in South America back in you know 2010. Uh, you know, 2009, I spent, you know, a few weeks traveling across Europe. So again, like, you know, I will reach out to friends and say, oh, I'm looking at doing this trip. And if I couldn't get anyone to do it with me, I'll just book a flight. And, you know, in certain countries, like when I went to South America, some of my, one of my old clients, he's moved from the UK and he set up a tango school in Argentina and took me around. So every country I went to, even if I went alone, I had, you know, people in my network who were willing to connect. Uh, so I've never felt afraid to travel alone at all. Actually, I enjoy it more because it gives you the opportunity to really connect and, you know, really, um, you know, get immersed in the culture and get a local perspective rather than, you know, just having someone else as a crutch. So I really, really enjoyed solo traveling. So I've done a lot of that now. <laughs> I mean, Audra, preach, you're preaching to the choir here. And I've had other guests on. I, I also solo travel often. I've been seven, six countries like you have, but a lot of my trips have been solo trips. And I, I must say, and maybe you can speak to this, that there is something about solo traveling that it makes you grow, right? Like as an individual, but like you said, that immersion component is so huge, especially when we're talking about living abroad by by oneself, right? If you're traveling by yourself, Absolutely. yeah, that's temporary. But now that helps in the living abroad aspect where it, be, where it could feel more permanent. Like you said, Hong Kong is your home, but definitely I think you might say that your solo travels have enabled you to be more comfortable living abroad. Would you say that's true? Absolutely, absolutely. My most profound trip was a six-month trip across Africa by road, and that was a solo journey. Wow. And, um, you know, so that was a few years ago. I traveled the entire West Africa by road. So I covered 15 new countries, but every step along the way, I stayed with local families. Like, I knew I had, you know, connections across the continent, but I didn't realize how vast my network was, where friends would reach out saying, oh, my mom is here, my aunt is here. So, you know, I definitely felt like I was able to, you know, to leverage my my network and also, you know, just, just be open to exploring and connecting with local people. And that definitely was a life-changing journey. And that's that's where my brand idea was born, actually. So um, I'm grateful that I took that time off, um, you know, from, from my career. So I, I, I think I mentioned I, I was leading the team here in Hong Kong. And then I decided to do my MBA full-time. So that's what that's what um, led me to that career break. I decided to study. And um, so I studied here in Hong Kong. And then I went to London Business School in Exchange. But what really, um, you know, helped with the transition was that I did a summer in Ghana. So I, I went to Ghana for an internship and that's where I felt like the trajectory of my life truly uh, changed uh, for me like I loved Ghana from day one and it really um, I had already started traveling in Africa since 2010 and 2012 I had done you know East Africa by road so Kenya Tanzania Malawi Zambia Zimbabwe South Africa and I really loved the continent but that summer of 2014 when I went to Ghana for my internship and the connections that I made and you know just I just felt like at home in the country and that that's what made me decide, you know what, why not, you know, go back and explore a bit more of Africa and really connect with the local people. And that's, you know, that was that six month journey that led me to my 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 passion and, you know, my my purpose in life. So and I can share a bit more about that. Yeah. Audra, <laughs> I just want to say if we're going to look at a dictionary for 
people that should be living abroad, your picture should be right next to that. I mean, <laughs> this is you're exemplifying all the wonderful things about being open, about taking risk, and of course, being successful while you take these risks, right? Both personally and professionally and academically. <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's such a that's such a wonderful thing to hear. And it makes me so proud being that you're also from Brooklyn. So I got a, a very proud person right now. But <laughs> but anyway, all right. Let's go now now to Hong Kong. So yes. when you first arrive, what uh-huh. are you expecting? You know, I came with with um I didn't really have any expectations. I felt like it's a new city. Um, I guess my perception of Hong Kong it was a similar city uh, to New York because you know you have all the skyscrapers and you know I knew I'll have there'll be a lot of expats from everywhere and I thought that gave me an opportunity to really connect um, you know with other people and also to be able to explore Asia, right? So, but when I, I I showed up, I remember I arrived in October, you know, 2011, and the weather was beautiful. I remember you know leaving New York and it was cold and it was still like summer when I arrived here, you know, because, you know, winters are very short in Hong Kong and it's a joke. Like, you know, you see the locals with like heavy jackets and I was just like, where are you going? You know, <laughs> for me, I just need a shawl. Like, so I really love the weather. Obviously, I'm from the island, so right. I love the tropical weather. So Hong Kong, which a lot of people don't realize is, you know, it's made up of 200 and something islands. So, you know, we have lots of beaches and, you know, there's so much to do in terms of hiking and uh, just so much of the of, of the place to explore. So, Yes, it was really close to, you know, Southeast Asia. Like we can go to Bali for a weekend or, you know, Thailand and just hop around Asia because it's such a central hub. Right. But um, but there's so much, you know, to explore within Hong Kong. So, like I said, from day one, I, well, my second day in Hong Kong, actually, I went to a networking event. It was like a wine tasting. And um, I just met so many amazing people. And I felt like these are my people. Like, like I belong here, you know. So <laughs> so that's what made me stay. Uh, so yeah, the weather, yeah, the weather, the food. So we have cuisine from everywhere around the world, and um, yeah, it's just that you know you pay less taxes in Hong Kong. Uh, it's very convenient as well, like transportation. Just everything here is it's very convenient. So yeah. I, I've managed to make yeah make a really good you know network here, and I have a good group of friends who I call my Hong Kong family. So yeah, so I'm very grateful. Yeah. I'm very grateful yeah, I mean, that I decided to take the plunge. Mm-hmm. You're selling it well. You're selling it very well here. <laughs> this is a great <laughs> advertise for Hong Kong. Uh, <laughs> can't wait to get sponsored by someone who might listen to this episode. But <laughs> no, I, you said you mentioned two things that I want to talk about. I think it's very interesting, specifically because you're living right abroad as a quote unquote expat foreigner in Hong Kong. But you said we have. It's very rare that I hear foreigners, people like us, expats, whatever you want to call us, describe the place <laughs> we're living in as we have. Like it's a part of you that versus you usually hear people say, yeah, this has this and this has that, like that separation. But you're saying we have. So talk about why you feel that you can describe Hong Kong and why you decide to describe Hong Kong in that way as a part of you and where you live. And it's we and not it. Right. Okay. I didn't even realize I said that, but I guess I truly feel that. I'm an observant listener. I listen to everything. No, that's that's great that I said that. But I, I felt like Hong Kong was home, right? Like I said, I've been here for 10 years. I'm a permanent Hong Kong resident. Uh, so this is home, you know. So even if I were to move 
somewhere else, as long as I come back every th- uh, every three years, um, I still can keep my residency here in Hong Kong. So yeah, and I think when I moved all of my furniture, like literally, when you go into my place, like it's all my furniture from New York. So <laughs> like I don't have anything there. <laughs> so everything I own is here. So I didn't leave anything behind, thinking wow. I'll be back. Like I I moved with everything. You know, everything that meant something to me came with me to Hong Kong. So I think that's what really made it home for me. I I I I feel like home here, you know. So right, I don't know right. how else to explain it. Like <laughs> I, I have no interest. In, <laughs> I have no interest in moving back to the U.S. Even when COVID hit, everyone's like, "Oh, it's time to come home." I said, "This is home." You know? <laughs> <laughs> that is so interesting, Audra. And and I mean. Uh-huh. Obviously, this is just anecdotal here, and I'm making spe- I'm speculating, but maybe the fact that you know you have, like you said, you've lived, you've been there over ten years, right, or ten years or so, and so that has to play a factor into how much of something feels like home, right? Obviously, if it didn't feel like home, you wouldn't be there ten years, right? Like that wouldn't make much sense. But I do feel like there are people that are abroad that you know life comes at you, and you end up staying in a place that you might. And I speak, I spoke to these people that they don't consider it home. But they're just living there. Right. But you're viewing it as home. That's a very powerful thing. And let's talk about the second point that you, that you made as well, saying that the group of people that you met felt like your people. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so, like, one of my closest friends, she's from Trinidad here. And, you know, so from earlier on, I just started connecting with people who have similar mindsets, similar values, and um, had an interest in exploring as well. So I think... I think, um, again, I have really close friends who I grew up with. Like, I'm still very close to my friends from high school and friends I went to college with and stuff like that. Uh, but for, for me, when I moved to Hong Kong, I felt like, you know, my friends here, like, we had similar interests in terms of travel and, you know, just being nomads and, you know, just it, it was just a different connection, uh, which obviously I do have that connection with my friends back home, but they don't understand, like, you just pack your bags and go to a random country for <laughs> for a month, like, who does this, right? <laughs> like, they don't, they can't relate to that, right? So the people I've met in Hong Kong, you have that mindset of exp- um, exploration and, uh, you know, connection and, you know, just, uh, yeah, I, I think it's just the, the different mindset, I think. So would you say Hong Kong enables that kind of uh thinking because like you said it's like this hub you can travel to many different places near it and it's obviously it's a metropolis right cosmopolitan place where you're gonna find people that are like that do you feel like it's hong kong that brings about that brings to it those kinds of people I definitely think that, but I, I felt like prior to, um, you know, moving to Hong Kong, even when I lived in New York, right, I was a relationship manager. A lot of my clients were expats coming into the U.S., right? So my friends used to always joke, who's this random person that's your new friend, right? So I was the first point. <laughs> yeah, I was the first point of contact for a lot of clients who are moving into the U.S. I, you know, I was in the meatpacking district. We're close to Google. You know, so a lot of the fashion companies, so a lot of expats who moved into the U.S., I was their point of contact. The first point of contact mm. to set up their bank account and handle their their finances. So I got to connect with you know a lot of expats coming into the U.S. So I felt like that definitely influenced me. So being in New York and then obviously moving here and connecting with people with you know similar similar mindset, I felt like you know it was like the perfect place. Right. Okay. Okay. I, that's. I mean, that's cool. You. <laughs> that's, that must have helped you out. Like you said, that has to help tremendously. Um. All right. Now. Now going back to Hong Kong, you mentioned the people that you met were like-minded. You know, nomadic or whatever the case may be. So now, how about the local people? What What do you What do you call people that are local from Hong Kong? I guess Hong Kongers. 
Hong Kongers, Kongers. I guess. I never knew that. Okay, Hong Kongers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and describe these Hong Kongers. How you just, if to someone like me who has never been to Hong Kong or Asia, how do you describe people from Hong Kong? Huh, people from Hong Kong. I felt, um, okay, so like I said, my team that I manage here um, were a lot of locals. And um, I felt like the locals grew up with, um, a, um, I guess, the education system, I guess, uh, uh, had them following the rules, I guess. It, it influenced them to, you know, to do what you're told, you know, follow this checklist. So I, I think their mindset is, you know, not to to disturb the peace or, you know, to just kind of do what you're told. Mm. So I felt like that was the difference between, you know, uh, you know, Western mindset versus, um, versus um, you know, local people. Yeah. I felt like, you know, they get frazzled if you say, oh, let's change one thing, you know, it's like, okay, <laughs> we need to stick to the, <laughs> the this is the, the, the format that we were taught and we need to stick exactly, we can't divert from that. So I felt like that's, that's the difference between the mindset of the locals. Um, but I, like I said, I've managed to to make, you know, local friends here in Hong Kong as well. So, uh, yeah. So, again, once we have common interests outside of, you know, the way that they do things, um, right. I think we could definitely connect on, you know, the love for the city or just at the, on a different level. And, and so describe, I mean, because, I mean, in listening to you talk, Audrey, it sounds like everything was a breeze. But I'm sure, as of most cases, there are learning <laughs> curves, right? to to living Absolutely. living in a country so what were some of the learning curves that you had to deal with like in those first that first year uh the first year um huh, I, I don't think um in terms of um hmm I, I the first year like i said for me i i was exploring a lot i didn't um in terms of language um most people speak english here so i started taking cantonese lessons um which everyone said mandarin was more useful so in, in hong kong the language is cantonese um you know a lot of the locals speak mandarin as well but uh, mandarin is, is spoken in mainland china so um that's one of my biggest regret we um we actually um asked to have mandarin lessons and we're told oh you're you're dealing with international clients you don't need it so that was one of the mistakes that i made i should have gone and taken um you know uh, mandarin lessons privately instead of waiting for you know the company to sponsor us uh but i did take cantonese lessons and a few words that i know uh, the locals think that I, I pronounce it really well and i think that opens you opens them up to, to connecting with you right like the few things that i would say like like which is thank you or moisi which is sorry like you know they would then you know start speaking to you like you know going to like full sentences like no 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 like just see which is a little like <laughs> like an old, i can only speak a little you know but that you know you see them light up when you start to make an effort to try to speak cantonese so um so i felt like that definitely helped a lot like everywhere i went like the locals think oh cantonese very 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 good and like i said the few words that i've learned to pronounce like right, <laughs> that's what right, they think right, right. yeah so so basically i mean as with most places right what people appreciate when you try to when you, when you show appreciation for their culture, right? Like that takes time to try to learn a language. And the fact that you're, let's say you're trying is not a, you're not doing a caricature of a language, right? You're not trying to butcher it. You're actually trying and you're showing that and people can see that authenticity, right? When people use a language. And so, Absolutely. like you said, like and obviously that's, that's worked for you as far as your relationships with uh, the local people there, the Hong Kongers, right. as, as you said. Um, all right. Yeah. So, so they say Hong Kong, people as well like for some reason like i guess they're officially called hong kongers but for they for some reason they say oh we're hong kong people you know so okay. they tell me that because i'm, I'm pr now like you're now hong kong people. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. so all right so how would you describe yeah. um the relationship i mean between obviously 
you're a black woman living in Hong Kong, which is a predominantly Asian uh, uh-huh. country, right? So- sovereign states. Um, so how would you describe that those dynamics when they see, because I've spoken to people that live in whether it's the Middle East or Asia, and they describe this thing of uh, people staring because you uh-huh. know they don't encounter people that are black or brown often. So has that been right. your experience as well? Uh, not so much so Hong Kong. I, I felt that when I went to mainland China, like, you know, I'm a black woman, I'm tall, I have, you know, huge, you know, Afro, you know, I have natural hair. So, you know, so I got more people wanting to touch my hair. Um, so again, you know, people would say hello. Like I remember when I was in Beijing, like people just put their babies in my arms to take photos. I'm like, well, what did they do with these photos? You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> but for them, for a lot of them, they're coming from, you know, their province and they're now, you know, seeing a black person for the very first time, right? right. So, you know, I remember like my tour guide was just like, you have to stop being nice because we're never going to get to all the sites. But for me, you know, it was interesting to, you know, to give them the opportunity to interact with a black person. So I've never felt offended at all, um, you know, here or, uh, you know, in, in, in mainland China. So that's, that's, that's the difference. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, so yeah. this doesn't happen to you in Hong Kong, but at least that happens to you in travels to, to China. So, okay, so since it hasn't happened to you in Hong Kong, Hong Kong, would would you say that you're you're fully accepted as you being who you are in Hong Kong, and in particular relation to like let's say New York? Would you say it's yeah they're very accepting of everyone? I think so. Obviously, like I said, there is racism everywhere, right? But right. I don't feel it on a day to day basis, right? Like I go out, I live my life. Like I don't get. I've never been stopped by the police. Obviously, you know, some guys have different experience, but for mm. me, I've been here for ten years and I've never ever been stopped by the police ever, right? So I don't have the sense of, um, you know, where my safety is at risk because Hong Kong is a very very safe city. Obviously, we've had a bit of um, political unrest over the last few years with the protests and stuff like that. But prior to that, all even since then, you know, I live my life every day and not even pay attention to, you know, um, like I said, crime or, you know, oh, or I feel like I'm a black woman here. You know, in, mm. in New York, when I first moved to America, obviously growing up in a, in a predominantly black community in the Caribbean, when you move to, to the U.S., then, you know, a lot is highlighted that you're not, that you're black, right? Mm-hmm. But in Hong Kong, I don't feel that way. Like, there are more and more black people coming and staying. When I first moved here, there were very few of us. But now I think the community is growing quite a bit. And, um, you know, so we see a lot of, you know, teachers or, you know, just people from all different professions, right? Like, we have, it's a huge banking hub as well. So there, you know, so a lot of, um, a lot of my black friends, I felt like in New York, a lot of my black friends were of Caribbean descent. Obviously, I grew up in Brooklyn and there's Uh a huge Caribbean community there. But in Hong Kong, I felt like a lot of my friends were of African descent, actually. So, um, so that actually uh, ex- um, connected me more to the African continent because when I had moved to Hong Kong, I hadn't, I'd only been to one African country and now I've done 26, right? So, so I definitely think, you know, moving here uh, connected me more to the African continent as well. Wow. It's, it's so, so interesting. And there's a lot, I want to, there's a lot to unpack there because I think about for myself as well, right? We're in the same group as far as being foreigners or whatever the case may be. And obviously, you don't have to disclose this anyway, but I'm going to assume that you live a middle class or upper middle class kind of lifestyle. Would that be a fair assumption to make? Yeah, I think so. Like I said, I've 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 had a career in banking since I was in my early 20s, right? Right, right. So, um, yeah, so I guess. 
yes, it, it's afforded me, you know, to be able to live and travel. So def that's definitely a privilege, right? right. Uh, but I, like I said, now, uh, you know, I have a startup. So I've left banking behind. And um, as I mentioned, I did an MBA full time. And then I traveled across Africa and I met a girl who owned nothing black. So we just started having a conversation about our love for color. And that's where my brand idea was born, right? So I went mm. from, you know, having, you know, a corporate career where, you know, I had a good salary to, you know, to a startup founder, you know, so I had to start over. So that was a different, um, a, a different experience. And especially too, so I've launched I've launched a fashion brand back in 2018. And, um, you know, so the brand is really focused on, you know, size inclusion and reducing textile waste. And so it's very colorful and inspired by my Caribbean heritage and all of that. So, um, you know, so I was doing really well with that. And then I lost everything in 2020 when COVID hit. So, mm. um, you know, <laughs> yeah, so that was very difficult. So coming from, like I said, you know, a banking career to, you know, running a startup and, you know, getting traction really, really quickly. And then when COVID hit, uh, I had used a new factory right before I traveled for a runway show in Ghana. And when I came back, COVID hit and then the factory stole all of my fabric, like everything, like 500 wow. meters of fabric, everything was gone. Yeah. So it was really tough. Like 2020 was like the toughest year of my life, but I felt like if I can survive 2020, I can survive anything. Right. I literally started renting out my bedrooms. I said, whatever it takes, because I'm so passionate about what I do, giving up was not an option. Like, right. you know, this was not an option. So we're going to get, we're gonna get into that. To... I didn't expect that part of the story <laughs> that you, you, you've turned, uh, you, you've turned to another, I'm like, okay, we're going to get right into that. But first, the reason I bring up the, 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 the part of, of your career, right? You said in corporate banking. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm mm -hmm. a teacher, and most obviously most foreigners that are abroad, they 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 they're afforded a certain lifestyle, right? That perhaps mm -hmm. I can I can't speak to Hong Kong. You can speak to that, but that the locals might not be afforded as much, right? And I and I think about this, and you know, when thinking about the privileges that we might have that we might not have had back in New York or in the United States, right? Because I hear a lot from people that I speak to that are foreigners, they mention this blue passport privilege, right? Of having an American passport. And the job that they might have that it carries a certain weight and a certain privilege, and that supersedes things that might have been viewed negatively. For example, in the states, one's one's color, right? One's blackness or or brownness or whatever you might want to call it. So, do you do you think about things like that? Because I definitely do. As far as me being Latino in a Latino country, but I know that the fact that mm -hmm. I speak English, American English, right? I'm a native English speaker. That that carries a certain privilege with it, especially in the context of where I work in the school. So even though I might experience certain microaggressions because I am Latino from, you know, mm -hmm. white expats, whether wh wherever the case may be, I know there's certain privileges that I have over locals because I am a native English speaker. Do you think about those type of dynamics right. or, am I, or am I crazy here? <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. It is the ca the case. Um, you know, when I arrived here and when I learned what like salary of you know some of like the ju junior staff was, I I, I was appalled really. Um, you know, so I, I I guess even in teaching, right? So they're looking for you know teachers with you know foreign education, you know, who speak you know quote unquote you know American English or you know right. so stuff like that. So you definitely see uh, where you're. Um, you know, being an expat and having that privilege, you know, definitely, uh, you know, g gives you, um, you know, that opportunity. But um, for me, but to be honest, when I moved to Hong Kong, I actually, um, you know, took a, a, a cut in salary actually to come here. Um, so, so which, which. <laughs> 
but a lot of people thought <laughs> a lot of people thought that you know again I was it was a promotion in that I I now led an international team but you know when I was in New York I was um individual you know pr- uh, producer because I was a relationship manager so a huge part of my disposable income was commission based on my sales right so when I arrived in Hong Kong I thought that would be the same for the team leaders but it wasn't the case we got you know annual bonus which was not the same at all so when I was in New York I had much more disposable income but I thought the opportunity to move abroad and um, you know just having the ability to manage a team I, I felt like that was um, you know a, a good opportunity for me uh, to, to come here right 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 and I'm, and I'm glad you said that because also like you I also took a pretty significant pay cut to come to Costa Rica but um like you said there's certain times that you know where it's not necessarily about the money but about the experience or what you might gain from the experience right where it outweighs the the pay cut that one might one might get because i think a lot of people have that misconception right about people that are foreigners like oh they're just trying to get money like obviously exactly you want to get paid for your right. services right <laughs> everyone deserves what they get right like i, I want to get paid for the services but that's not necessarily the, the the first driving motivating factor from wanting to move abroad right. is usually what you're talking about which is this is a new experience I want to do this. Exactly. I know I can go personally mm-hmm. and professionally. And I, like you, <laughs> am currently, well, you already finished the master's, but I'm currently fit, uh, about to finish the master's in international education. And that was a huge part to why I even chose Costa Rica was the fact that I want to grow professionally, which I feel I would—I right. reached my peak in New York as far as like, exactly. I, I, I don't feel like I'm growing here. I got to grow more. So I'm glad, I'm glad you're saying that and bringing that, bringing that point home, Audra. All right. So let's go into what you just said a moment ago about Losing everything. Not many people. Yeah. Uh, let me let me let me rephrase that. People definitely experience hardship, right? When it, whether it's <laughs> home or abroad, right? Because life is life. Life is gonna throw you a bunch of curveballs, and you gotta try to hit them. But t- take us through you losing everything, and as far as this factory goes. Right. So I had invested almost all of my savings in, in my brand. So wow. um, as I mentioned, I launched the brand in, yeah, in 2018. But remember, I didn't go back to, to banking after my MBA. I graduated from my MBA in 2015. Then I went off traveling for a couple oh, of years, right? Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't, I didn't go back to, you know, to, you know, a high paying job, you know, for right. me, I felt like that break, it, it gave me the opportunity to explore what I really wanted to do. Like, I felt like I could have gone back to banking. I had a, at that point, 13 years of banking experience. I had an MBA. And actually, uh, there was a company who I met when I was at London Business School who offered me an opportunity to move back into the U.S. for a very great um, rotational program through that company. I remember one of my friends saying, this is a mistake. And I said, no. I said, I know what I value. I do not want to be in the U.S., you know? So I opted for (laughs) coming back to Hong Kong and I launched my first business then. So at first, it was a trading company. I was doing a bit of sourcing between China and Africa. Obviously, that wasn't as lucrative because it was very time in- intensive where I was spending a lot of time doing research and stuff. But because of that, um, those sourcing days, when I when I traveled across Africa and, and had the idea to launch the fashion brand, uh, you know, when I came back, I decided, you know what, why not, um, you know, focus on, you know, size inclusion and reducing waste. But I didn't know because of that opportunity of sourcing, you know, many, many years ago, someone in South Africa reached out to me saying, can you help us source machinery to deal with the textile waste problem in Africa? So I Again, I knew there was a lot of waste because of fast fashion, but I didn't realize how vast it was and how much it affected the African continent where so much textile waste is dumped and burned in Africa. And again, because I love Africa so much, I've stayed with local families every step along the way. I felt triggered by that and I felt like I needed to do something about it. Right. So that's why 
why, you know, I, I, my mission of the brand changed where I focus on, you know, only using natural fibers and designing with things to be adjustable and, you know, so all of that. So, so that's where the brand, I felt like every step that I've, I've taken or my entire journey has brought me to where I am in terms of me finding my passion. And again, like I said, I've, I've been interested in fashion since I was younger, but was told that, you know, this wasn't a career, right? So now that I'm able to merge my love of travel, my love of fashion, my love of my Caribbean heritage and the African continent all together and creating this, this brand that, you know, got traction really, really quickly and, you know, managed to, you know, to scale. Uh, and then, like, as I mentioned, you know, losing everything was devastating. But like, I, I felt I felt at this point, like I said, I had no income coming in because tourists weren't able to come into Hong Kong. At one point I had, you know, a very successful Airbnb business where I was like, I'm a super host where I had three different properties I was managing. So I was doing lots of different things. You Check know? you out, Audra, man. <laughs> Damn. Jeez, you are a yeah, workhorse. So... <laughs> <laughs> no, because I valued my freedom. So I felt right. like I needed multiple sources of income, but I didn't I didn't want to feel trapped in the corporate world again. I felt like, you know, my the ability to travel, you know, when I spend six months traveling across Africa, it cost me less to be in Africa than be in my place in Hong Kong because I rented out my entire apartment, you know, on Airbnb. So again, you know. <laughs> Sorry, now you, you, you say so many golden nuggets. I don't want to lose what, my questions here because you're saying so much great information. And I mean, first of all, you obviously are a, a beacon of uh, perseverance and success. But you mentioned this, this thing of I valued my freedom. That's what you said, right? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So the fact that you obviously, here you are having successful career in banking, and then you're finding your passion. And then I think more, even more importantly, what you feel is your purpose, right? And I feel like I speak, I say this a lot to many of my friends. I, 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 I personally value having to live a proactive life, right? Where you make the decisions and you try to happen to life versus life happening to you. Obviously, this situation of this of the textile factory that is out of your control. That is life happening to you. Exactly. But through that, you were proactive, and then took 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 control. You took the reins. You took those reins and 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 have a purpose driven life. Clearly, and and has led you, like you said, to this moment here in time where you're talking about valuing your freedom. So let's unpack that. So valuing your freedom in the sense of not having to work for a corporation of just doing what you want to do. What do you mean by valuing your freedom exactly? Yeah, so I really focus on doing what I love uh, and with the people I love, right? So I, I felt like, which I've, I've come up with an acronym, which is the, my love method, uh, really trying to inspire people to do what they love. And I felt like that's what I use to be able to start my brand or start anything that I, I, I um, you know, embark on is, you know, one L is leverage your network, right? Like look around you, you know, the people around you, when you have an idea, you start having conversation there. Like, I truly believe there's nothing that I can't do with the people in my network. You know, but I, a lot of people are afraid to reach out or ask for help. But, you know, for me, I have, you know, so many amazing people around me, especially when I lost everything who showed up and say, how can I support you? You know, so a lot of people go through these challenges, you know, uh, isolated. And for me, I felt like, you know, connected with connecting with my, um, you know, the people in my network, the people who I love, you know, was very important to, you know, to keep things going and always overcome your fear. So, so many people are afraid of, afraid of their own success or have other people project their own, their fear onto them. Right. Mm -hmm. And you just don't get started. So, oh, for me is overcome your fear. Um, and then B is validate your ideas. Like I literally started my brand with five items, like that's it, you know, and then I reiterated, like I got 
feedback from my clients and added more lens, added more sizes. Again, so, you know, you put a product out there, you just start, you know, small, and then you 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 then um, expand. And the E is expand through um, partnerships. So you find partners that you have, um, you know, common goals and values, and, you know, you, you expand globally by creating those um, equitable partnerships. So I felt like that's what I used to start any business that I've done. And um, now that I had to restart after losing everything, I felt like, you know, the people around me and the people who really care and, you know, feel passionate about, you know, my, my, my brand and, and um, you know, getting things going again, I felt like I, I was able to, you know, to leverage the people around me to, to get things going again. So I'm very grateful. Very, very, very grateful. Right. I mean, those are listening. This is a free biz- masterclass on business from Audra right now. She just... <laughs> That love acronym, I love it. Oh my goodness, so, so, oh, so, so, so amazing, so amazing. I mean, I'm trying, I'm trying to catch my thoughts right here. You say so much, but <laughs> so I mean, but you mentioned something. The networking thing is huge, though, right? Because and we're gonna get to, right. we're gonna go back to Hong Kong specifically. But this, this is what I love about my podcast, honestly, is that you're in the driver's seat. Wherever you want to go, I go with you. That's why, that's why I'm like, all right, right. just say what's on your mind. We're gonna, we're gonna go there. I'm gonna stay on that. So you mentioned the whole thing right. about about networking, and I think not even in yes. business, but just living abroad is so <laughs> important because, like you said, you do. We feel this isolation, uh, when, especially right. when you're by yourself abroad. That you might feel like I'm the only one going through this, but, but you're not. Right. And then there's no. also people that you said want to help you, whether that is on a business venture or just emotionally about what you're going Absolutely. through. And there's times, and, I, and I'm and I'm not I'm preaching, but I'm also telling this to myself because I, you know we're all different and we all handle stress and 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 difficulties uh, in different ways. And what I do, honestly, Audra, which I think is a bad habit of mine, is I don't like to put mm-hmm. my problems on others. Even though I, right. I I think they might be going and they can relate to what I'm going through, I feel personally weak by not handling right. my own shit or my own business. You know what I mean? But right. networking right. is so important to, to show people that, hey, like, I'm human too. Like, even though, I, you know, Audrey, you're a successful person in, in many ventures of your life, but it's like, hey, even I need help as well. Right. And I'm looking right. to, to those people out there that I've met along the way through your travels and through your own professional and personal networking that could be there to help you in whatever you might need. So I'm glad you bring yeah. that, that point home and network. So, yeah, if you want to say something to that. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone, you know, said to me, you know, I I love connecting like connecting is my thing I'm, I'm a natural connector when i have a conversation with anyone and they say oh i'm working on this like I, I automatically think of who do i know in my network who i can connect you to that will help you realize this goal you know much quicker right so again if we don't let people know what we're working on or what challenges we're facing you, you'll never you'll be trying to solve this and going in circles trying to solve it alone but i truly believe even now with my brand i've created um you know advisory board and a lot of you know the people on my advice board or my old clients from HSBC who believe in my vision, who believe in me. And they're like, okay, they, they have different background, different skill sets. And you don't, don't know what you don't know, right? When you have right. certain experience, you're viewing things from a different lens and you have someone, you know, who, who come in and see it totally different and bring a different perspective. So I thought it was very important for me to create a, um, you know, an advisory board because that will help me, you know, move the brand forward. And I've had so many people just reach out and say, okay, we love what you're doing. How can we support you? So I think, you know, we need to not be afraid and not view it as a weakness that you're, you know, expressing what challenges you're facing. And it's not like you're dumping on anyone. It's just that, okay, this is what I'm, you know, experiencing at the moment. 
And, you know, for someone to be, be able to say, okay, this is how I can support you, or I know someone who can help you solve that problem, you know? Right. So I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful. Everyone joke and said, I've, you know, everyone keep in touch with me, but I think I'm a natural connector in that I reach out, like, on Sundays, or not just Sundays, like, I reach out to my friends back in New York, like, I, I would schedule Zoom calls with random people, even on LinkedIn, people reach out to me all the time, but I reach out to people all the time and just send everyone a Zoom link, <laughs> you know? So That's great. for me, I love, yeah, I love staying connected. I, I really do. And then I try to always meet new people, even while I'm not traveling now. Like, this is the longest I've been grounded. I haven't left since I came back from Ghana, you know, Jan 2020. And that's obviously because we've had long quarantine. Quarantine was 21 days for a very long time in Hong Kong. Right. And it just didn't make sense, right? And my focus now is rebuilding the brand from, you know, it's not from scratch because now I, I'm rebuilding with a bit more experience than I did, um, you know, in the past. But um, I, I felt like it was important for me to stay grounded and, um, you know, to be able to work on, you know, getting the brand up and running again. And I've taken on, you know, some other opportunities as well uh, while I work on rebuilding the brand. So, right. yeah, it's been it's been a long journey. But like I said, everything I've gone through has brought me to where I am today. So I'm very grateful. Right, right. I mean, and again, you, you, you mentioned these two things of you don't know what you don't know. That is a huge exactly. thing for anyone living anywhere, <laughs> but especially abroad when, like you said, there's just new things coming at you every single day. And right. you got you to gotta, you gotta let it out. And I, and I would say this. Now, I'm going to give some advice, even though you're the person here doing the interview, but you said something that I'm like, I'm going to take this. We should all create, this is Audra's idea, she trademarked it, but we should all create an, <laughs> an advisory board for a friends to talk, whether it's business or emotional things of like, hey, this is my challenge. What do you guys think? Right? I think that would be a good thing. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what we uh, need. Again, yeah, you don't have, you know, all of the experience in a specific, you know, um, you know, industry where, you know, whether I'm facing a challenge with advertising or marketing, you know, you just have people with different experience and, you know, who lived in different places and, you know, can see or present an idea from a totally different perspective that you would never come up with. So I think right. it's quite important for you right. to have a diverse group of people around you that can, you know, really, you know, uh, help you in terms of, um, you know, getting to the next level. All right. Man, this is this is great. Dropping gems, Audra. I love it. I love it. All right. So now back uh, to Hong Kong, uh, specifically to Hong Kong. Yeah. What What are some of the things uh, about Hong Kong, in particular, with the you mentioned the 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 tensions with between mainland China and Hong Kong? So take us in that because I think a lot of things sometimes you know in talking to, to guests. Obviously, living abroad is a wonderful thing, but there are challenges, whether within yourself personally, but just the the the, the political climate of these of these places where we live. Right, they're very distinct, right. or, or might be similar. So, what what is the political climate? How would you describe it currently, right now, in Hong Kong? Right. So right now, um, okay, so I must say, uh, over the last few years, I've spent a lot of time in mainland China uh, because my production is there, right? So I was back and forth between Hong Kong and mainland China. So I actually have a love for mainland China. Obviously, the locals don't feel the same way because of, you know, all of the... <laughs> I was about to ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because of, you know, in light of, you know, the current situation. But for me, uh, that's the one place, like, I wish I can get back to. Like, the border is still closed between Hong Kong and China. I haven't been able to get back since December 2019. But if, you know, if you were to ask me, you know, where next to, like, 
I'm waiting for the border to uh, reopen so I can get back there. I felt like, you know, going to China allowed me to really, um, you know, explore my creativity and, you know, to really explore my interests. And there isn't anything I can't I can think of that I can't get done in China. You know, so that's one of the, the, the reasons why I connected with mainland China so much, because I felt like I was able to realize a dream by just crossing the border, getting on a train and it's an hour to a factory, an hour to, you know, to, um, you know, fabric market. And, you know, I was able to realize this dream. So that's one thing I, I must say, you know, in terms of China, I felt like, you know, despite a lot that, you know, I don't know if you know, there's no Facebook, there's no um, right. Google, like all that stuff is blocked in China if you don't have, um, you know, VPN, but it allows me to really, you know, check out and really focus on, you know, my creativity while I was there. Yes, I had a VPN, but, you know, <laughs> like I said, China, I have a, a love for China as well. <laughs> I right. know, like I said, there's a lot going on there, you know, in terms of the political uh, climate. But for me, like China was definitely a place that I felt like has helped me grow despite I don't speak the language. I literally use translation apps to be able to, you know, start my brand from scratch. So I'm, I'm very grateful that I was able to go there. But yeah, right now, um, you know, there's a bit of pressure because um, Hong Kong is still under the zero COVID uh, policy. And obviously this was, um, uh, this is China's policy, right? And um, so I, we're seeing a huge um, uh, exit of um, expats at the moment. In the last few weeks, uh, a lot of expats have moved out, like moving to places like Singapore, Poor, uh, which is another financial hub here in Asia, but a lot of people moving back, whether to the US or, or UK or wherever uh, in Europe, because they felt like, you know, we have been under, you know, such, um, I, I wouldn't say, um, I, I think... I think um, we've, we, we haven't had any serious lockdown in terms of you can't leave the house or anything like that. Like I said, we're still going to go hiking and still explore uh, Hong Kong. Like every single weekend I was exploring new beaches and just new places in Hong Kong that you take for granted because you can just travel to, you know, throughout Asia, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like now because, you know, we still have all these restrictions where restaurants are closed at 6 p.m., you can't, you know, um, you know, go to bars and, you know, the things that made the city vibrant, that has been, you know, um, limited over the last two years where tourists couldn't come in. And uh, I, I think that will be lifted soon, right? So if you don't have a Hong Kong ID, you can't come to Hong Kong at the moment. Mm. So these are things where the, the, a lot of the expats felt like, you know, they were a bit too restricted uh, in the last, you know, two years, actually, since COVID started, uh, that they felt like, you know, especially people with kids, right? Uh, they had to do homeschooling and, you know, while they're working and, you know, all of that. So I felt like there was a lot of pressure and the breaking point just happened, you know, a few weeks ago when we had zero COVID for, um, cases for months where we were kind of in a bubble here and um, and then you know Omicron um, came in at the beginning of the year and now we're ha we're experiencing a huge hike at the moment so oh, wow. this is what put a lot of pressure on on Hong Kong at the moment so a lot of people are leaving so apparently they've announced that as of April first they'll they'll um, uh, move the quarantine period to seven days from fourteen so it was twenty one days for a very long time and then it moved to fourteen and now apparently as of April first it'll be seven days quarantine so that's one of the reasons why a lot of um, expats or a lot of people here didn't travel as much because you know you have to stay you can't, couldn't even quarantine at home you have to stay in a hotel which is quite is quite costly to right. quarantine for 21 days each time you travel so it didn't make sense to travel at all mm, wow I'm, I'm glad yeah. you brought that to light in case people were, were thinking about heading to hong kong after you sold it so wonderful it's like well you can't get there yet just not just yet <laughs> not just yet but um right. yeah so all right so you so going back to the, the political climate because i think it's interesting when we as foreigners, right, we're, we're, we, especially we live somewhere for a significant amount of time, right? You've been there 10 years. I've been in Costa Rica three years going on four. 
And, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've now seen a presidential election happen, right? It'll be, the results will come soon. Right. And you get to see kind of the way the country operates during this time, right? The views of different people. And then you try to, you mm-hmm. know, you, you see how that corresponds with your own views. So how do you navigate I, those spaces in Hong Kong with your own, whatever your views might be, to the locals? And like you said, being res- being respectful of what the locals, you know, view as far as being what's as far as you know the the relationship with China, but your own right. views. How do how do you navigate that space? Right. So when the protest when the protest first started in uh, 20, 2019, was it? I um I had a friend uh, who was staying with me at the time, and she said, "Oh, you're now Hong Kong people. You need to come protest with us, right? Because you know she's local." <laughs> and literally the very first. <laughs> The very first protest before I had gotten a bit out of hand, you know, I went and they gave me a hard hat. Um, you know, they gave me um, a solution to wash um, tear gas out of your eyes. You were well ready. Prepared. You were like, ready. You know, <laughs> yes, it was, you know, it felt empowering to be there, especially as I mentioned before, where I felt like, you know, the locals are learned to kind of follow, you know, um, directions and, you know, follow the rules and stuff like that. And for them to stand up for what they believe in, it was very empowering to see and to, to be here to witness, right? So because 2014, when we had um, the, the Umbrella Re- Revolution, I was in London studying at the time, and I felt like I wanted to be here. So to, to, to be in Hong Kong at that time, and, you know, 2019, when things, you know, started um, in terms of the protest, it was really great to be a part of it. Obviously, when things started becoming a bit more, um, you know, violent, um, I didn't go out at all. But that very first week of protest, I definitely went out there and, you know, stood with, you know, my local friends and, you know, uh, support, um, you know, their view on, uh, you know, keeping Hong Kong, uh, you know, the the freedom that we've experienced and that should be, uh, you know, based on um, the handover agreements between, you know, the UK and, um, and, and China. You know, it should have been, you know, 50 years of um, one country, uh, two systems. And, you know, obviously they felt like, you know, their rights are being infringed upon. So, no, I, I totally get it. But, um, yeah, I, I think now because of all of the... Um, the um the consequences of protests and all that stuff where you know you're not seeing that at all so there are no protests happening uh now and i think COVID, when COVID hit uh we still had a I guess a few in the beginning but you know when 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 the laws um change i think you know that definitely deterred people from protesting so um you know so we're back to you know not back to what it was before but um you know it's definitely uh, peaceful here again, here okay. in Hong Kong. That, that's that's good to hear, though. That's good to hear. Hopefully, the relations improve, right? Um, for for all parties. All right. So now, unfortunately, Audra, I'm gonna say, we're gonna to the last segment of the podcast. Um, you've been just you've been great. You, I just I love hearing your story. Oh, thank you. It's, it's been awesome to hear your story. So this is called the lightning round segment. I'm gonna ask you some lightning round questions. You're gonna answer with one sure. word. First thing that comes to your mind. Uh huh. You ready? Yep. <laughs> right, here we go. Favorite place in Hong Kong. Favorite place in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. I was at a peak. The peak? Yeah, it gives you a you know a really beautiful view of Hong Kong. Uh, so I think um, you know the panoramic panoramic view that you get from being at the peak. I think I love it. It's very peaceful and, and calm. That's what it's just called. It's called the peak, or you're talking about like its highest <laughs> peak. No, no, no. The peak, um, uh, the peak is a, uh, you know, I think is at the highest point in Hong Kong. Right, right, right. Yeah. I'm saying it's just called that. Does it have a name? Like, is that is that called anything else besides the peak? 
I think Victoria's Peak, I think it's called. Okay, okay, got it, got it. I was, I was, I was, I was curious, I was curious. All right, cool. So the highest peak, all right, that's pretty cool. I can imagine the views from up there. That must be amazing. All right, what's your least favorite place in Hong Kong? Least favorite? I don't think I have one. Ah, oh, come on. Uh, <laughs> least favorite? Uh... I don't know if I have the least favorite place. I, I see the beauty in every place that I go. Uh, least favorite. All right. Well, Maybe Causeway Bay when it's when it's very crowded, like on a Sunday when you know lots of tourists are in town and it's you know it's very crowded and um, yeah. So maybe maybe yeah, the shopping district when it's you know a lot of tourists are in town maybe. Okay. But um, like I said, I see the beauty in everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, biggest misconception people have about Hong Kong? That it's all skyscrapers and, you know, it's just like a, a very crowded city with uh, skyscrapers, but it's so peaceful and there's so many beaches and, you know, tropical places for you to really have a different experience. So I definitely think that. Okay. Favorite phrase or word in Cantonese? You speak Cantonese, you said, right? Or a few phrases? Uh, I don't speak Cantonese. I, I well, like I said, um, thank you. I guess it was just I, I say that a lot. Like How do you I say it? Can you say it again? Ngoi, ngoi sai, which is thank you very much. Ngoi sai, thank you. Ngoi, ngoi, ngoi sai. So that's thank you. Um, you know, I feel like I always have you know uh, express gratitude everywhere I go, uh, and um, I think it's great to be able to express you know gratitude. So I always say thank you. Okay. Um, number one personality trait that you could ascribe to uh, Hong Kongers or Hong Kong people? Huh, Hong Kong people. Personality traits? Yeah, like huh. one, like just one. Uh, I think, hmm, personality traits. Obviously, hmm. we're generalizing here. Obviously, I'm sure they're all individual yeah. people, right? But as a culture, I would say, as as, as a culture. Uh, I think they're very, I, I would say peaceful. I feel like, uh, I think the Hong Kong people, I think I would say peaceful, maybe. Okay, okay, peaceful. I'm glad I'm making yeah. you think on these questions. That's a good thing. <laughs> um, what is your? Yeah, I never, I never genera generalize like people in general. Obviously, I see people based on you know their uh, what they bring to the table, and I never right. really think, oh, all the people here. So I've never really thought of that. Right, but right. I think you know they're quite mild and peaceful. You know. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Um, what would you? What What is your favorite dish? My so. Now I'm pescatarian, so that's the thing. Uh, okay. <laughs> my I used to really love dim sum here, um, which I still can have, um, you know, vegetarian dim sum. Uh, but before I um, I I went um, pescatarian, I used to love barbecue pork, which is uh, uh, cha sui, which is a mm. Hong Kong dish. Sounds delicious. Uh, I really love that. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, now I can do vegetarian dim sum and you know other you know Asian dishes. So yeah, so it's okay. Sounds good. I would say dim sum. Our number one thing that Hong Kong and New York have in common. Have in common. Um, I would say, I guess, um, the, the structure of the city, like, you know, having, you know, the skyscrapers and stuff. I think, you know, that's the similarity, I think, between the two. Um, yeah, I think it, it looks, it's it's a, a concrete jungle in that way. Well, <laughs> some, a part of it, right? <laughs> cool. A part of it. Uh, yeah. 
what's one contrast between the two? One huge contrast. Contrast, I think weather. <laughs> I hate the winters. Uh, like I said, I'm an, I'm an island girl, and um, the weather in Hong Kong is much better, I, I, I find. Um, despite it gets really humid in the summer, um, I don't complain because I absolutely hate winters. So, um, yeah, so I definitely would say the weather is a huge contrast for me. All right. And final, final question, Audra. You have about 60 <laughs> seconds on the clock. It's the last thing I'm going to ask you. Um, so you've been abroad and you've been in Hong Kong, which you consider home for 10 years. What do you see occurring for yourself or what do you envision for yourself since you live such a purposely driven life as we've heard in this past hour? What do you envision for yourself, your brand, your people and your home in the next five to 10 years? five to ten years okay so in terms of uh, my brand um, as I mentioned I'm relaunching uh, my brand being bold um, you know really focusing on you know size inclusion and reducing waste and um, so I'm now looking to expand the brand into new markets and create um, uh, partnerships globally to be able to um, you know create that retail uh, footprints globally so that's what I'm working on at the moment uh, working on a new collection new prints and collaborating with other uh, artists to be able to you know uh, uh, incorporate art on fashion so be able to do digital prints and you know keep that uh, a new fresh print going so in terms of the brand I definitely see uh, expanding globally and personally I see myself uh, in the next few years uh, splitting my time between Hong Kong and a few places I love in Africa. Uh, I really love the African continent. I, um, you know, especially Ghana, the Gambia, there are a few places I really love. So my goal is to be able to, you know, buy property in Africa and uh, be able to split my time between the places I love. So Hong Kong would always be a home, I think. It will be, a, you know, a hub for me. Uh, but I felt like I can spend a few months out of the year in Ghana, a few months, maybe, you know, in Europe or, you know, in other places. But um, I definitely love the African continent. So I definitely see myself splitting my time uh, between uh, Hong Kong and the places I love. But also, when, you know, in terms of, you know, merging the brand with the continent, you know, my goal is to, to give 1% of my profit to organizations tackling textile waste in Africa. And um, so I really feel passionate about that. So the goal is to really scale the brand so I can really invest in the things that I am passionate about you know on the continent and you know in the caribbean as well i hope you enjoyed that episode with audra i most definitely did uh, she was just so full of energy i loved it and of course she's a brooklynite that's how we do that's how we do <laughs> no but that love acronym that love acronym yo <laughs> that's what stuck with me l leverage your network o overcome your fears v validate your ideas and e expand I mean, obviously, that makes sense in the context of business, but I feel also in the context of life, <laughs> of just life in general, right, of, of this this whole living abroad experience. We need to network while we're out here, yo, living abroad. And, and I mean, obviously, whether you're abroad or not, it's, it's, it's important to lever leverage your network, definitely overcome your fears of living abroad, validate yourself and your ideas of why you moved abroad, and definitely expand. Expand your horizons, whether that's personally, professionally, whatever the case may be. So I think, I mean, she she has dropped that free of charge, free of charge. So I appreciate you, Audra, <laughs> for giving that to me and and to our listeners here on the podcast. So yeah, that that so that was just great. And I love how she mentioned the the we right when she talked about Hong Kong. 
to get to that level, I think that takes time and you have to, and it has to be a good fit, right? The, the place, the country where you're at has to be a good fit for you and what you want. So Audra, I wish her nothing but the best. And obviously she's, she's off to do amazing, amazing things with her, with her brand, which I will put in the show notes. But anyways, next week, I actually plan to have an episode. It will be a solo episode. I'm going to be traveling to Panama, actually, tomorrow, by the time this episode airs. <laughs> and I'll be there for a few days, uh, meeting up with a friend out there, but mostly solo traveling. And I hope I hope to do an episode on Panama and my, tri- and my trip. So look forward to that. I'm leaving my laptop. I'm going to do no work while I'm over there. I've had a lot of work to do. Hence why it's been a month. I'm, I apologize that I haven't aired an episode, but my master's has kept me so, so busy. I've said it so many times, so you guys already know what the deal is with that. Hopefully graduating this summer, fingers crossed. Um, and yeah, but I'm definitely going to, I'm going to recharge a little bit. Not going to do any work, just uh, have a leisurely trip, hopefully, and a good time in Panama. So yeah, so be a lookout for that in the next week as, yeah, as I enjoy this spring break. We got two weeks off, so I'm looking forward to it doing some work but also hopefully enjoying myself as well so anyways if you like what you hear please leave a review on apple podcast follow me on spotify and any of your other favorite streaming platforms see you next week this is a living color abroad peace